I'm Katie J. And I'm Katie H. Welcome to the Katie's. Good morning. <laughs> that <Welcome>. was nice. <laughs> that was really nice. Thank you for preparing that. Of so course. Carefully. This is round two of our intro because we've already botched one <laughs> intro. So welcome. If you are new, congratulations <laughs> for finding us. And if you are old, thank you for continuing to tune in. Um, Please don't judge us by this first minute here. Yeah. As you can tell, we're already having a good time and we hope you're already having a good time. Yeah, we do. And, you know, part of the reason we're having a good time is we have a guest that we are very familiar with that we know and love. One of us loves this person more than the other, I think, because yeah. this is my husband, Will Hale. Hello. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> thank Hello. you for being here. Nice to have you. Uh, we wanted to have Will because he has some great things to say. But, you know, as always, we got to let you guys get to know him a little bit. So we have some questions to help us get to know him. And the first one is if you had to describe yourself as a coffee order, what would it be? I want you to answer and then I want to answer. <laughs> You're going to describe me as <laughs> yeah. a coffee order? Yeah. Hmm. Probably an iced mocha. Large. Even if I go to Starbucks, I'll say large. <laughs> Because, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I just think that Karen is. behavior. He's like, no, yeah. large. large. <laughs> Did you know venti means tall? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, I just, well, one, I'm a fan of the drink. That's usually my order. I don't fall into the stereotype. Guys have to drink black coffee. But no, I'm a big fan of chocolate. And I always like to leave a little sweetness in my life. So the whipped cream that usually gets added is a good, so true. good description. Mm -hmm. Um and you wouldn't expect it. I do a lot of things you don't expect. So, That's true. Yeah. That's true. I yeah, would. You can roast me now if you no, want. No, no, no. <laughs> actually, my answer was kind of similar. I was going to call you a Vietnamese iced coffee because there's a lot of shots of espresso. If you don't know what a Vietnamese coffee is, it's shots of espresso over ice with sweetened condensed milk. And I would say you're, you can be intense. You can have a lot of like energy and passion in the things that you do. But there's this like undercurrent of sweetness that just really like softens and mellows it all out and you're you're, you're a drinkable drink there you go mm. yeah strong but sweet would i like that drink i think you would okay i think you would <laughs> um i don't have an answer to this question i'm so sorry yeah for you it's okay <laughs> but we do have a second question yeah one of our favorites so it it actually requires a little bit of setting the scene <laughs> i just want everybody to imagine with me you've just committed a heinous crime <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> brutally murdering somebody yeah. somebody's skulls caved in somewhere and you have been put on death row <laughs> yes um lucky for you yes in this prison on death row has been kidnapped and held captive a high-end <laughs> french chef okay we're talking french. like multiple michelin star french chef yeah um, but not just French food. Like they can make anything. They're just classically trained. So, you know, whatever yeah. they make is going to be perfect. We don't know if this is a man or a woman, he or she, <laughs> he or she. This is just an incredible chef because they can be men or women. Exactly. Guy or gal. <laughs> yes. 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 So, but you have one meal left. What you eaten? <laughs> no limits. And you know, it's going to be perfect from this chef. Okay. So I'll probably start with an old fashioned. That's my drink. I know. Yeah, you yeah, do know. You've seen me order know. many. Yes. You can almost predict it now. Then for appetizer, I'll probably go with bruschetta mm -hmm. on some very, very well-made toast. Yeah. Probably a little bit of balsamic 
drizzle yeah. over it, some basil on top. Delish. I married an Italian, so you can see that, <laughs> that coming out. Um, and probably for my main course, I would probably do a coca vin. Really? Yeah. I actually don't only, know what that okay, is. Okay, so it's, it's, it's chicken prepared it. in wine. It's like a classic okay, French gotcha. dish. Gotcha, mm. gotcha. It's very like bougie. And yeah, because I've only had it once, and we went to this, this place called Basilic in... Newport Beach, right? Uh, what was that island called? Oh, Babo Island. Babo right, Island. Yeah. Um, it's very small. It's only like, honestly, 10 people could be in the restaurant at once or it's 10 incredible. tables or something. It's incredible. Yeah, I had that there and it was probably the best single dish I've ever had. Yeah. So, so replicate that. And then for dessert. Always dessert. Always dessert. Oh, this is a tough one. I don't know if I can pick a dessert. I have so many <laughs> ideas going in my mind. Pick right all now. of them. You're dying anyway. Give us like your That's top two. My top two? Honestly, like a classic cheesecake. Yeah, I love nice. cheesecake. Yes. Or something with chocolate. You know those those cakes where you like break into it. It's like a chocolate cake, and then like the caramel comes running out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So one of those. Like a lava, a lava cake. There you go, lava cake. Yeah, um, and then yeah, coffee to end it all. Always coffee to end yeah. it all. Yeah. yeah, I just love that you actually followed a pattern for a meal, like a real life meal, because. I don't think anybody we've had on has done that yet. It's, it's been always like, been like, mm, okay, sushi, but wait, I also want pasta. And yeah. it's like all over the place. Yeah. So I, I can appreciate the organization. Yeah. And that tells death you death. enough about even in who death. he is as a yeah. person. He's even all, in death. But wait. <laughs> There's order even in death. My last yes. breath will be ordered. <laughs> it's like, can we just like and organize chaos? So here we are. Um, thank you for that. For mm-hmm. those thoughtful answers. We appreciate it. So. Just to kind of start out, people don't know you here. Some might that are listening, but most don't know you. And we would love for you just to kind of briefly introduce yourself, quick bio, how did you come to the Lord, all that stuff. Yeah, so I guess we'll start kind of where it actually matters. Um, At 18, that's when I think I officially became a Christian. Um, Went to church pretty much the whole time growing up, but it was, you know, almost a cliche now. Like, went to church, but was never a Christian. And then when I became 18... Like we had graduated, I think you brought me to Foothills once before, mm-hmm. maybe Future Quest or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I was still kind of coming with you and your family, but it was still eh, whatever. But then I just remember, uh, I don't remember what service it was, but there was a service where I think Dave was preaching and just a sense of like urgency just came over me. Like, mm-hmm. hey, it's time to either give in or, or give up or commit in. And so that's when I really committed. There was nothing like fancy or special, no like angels coming out of the sky moment <laughs> for me. Um, are you tongues of fire? No. Are you saved? Do we know? <laughs> Keep listening and find out. No. Um, but no, it was just a serious, like sobering sense of like, hey, it's time to actually become Christian and actually live it out. Um, because I'd say I'd been saved up until that point, but I don't think I ever actually cared about it. And so it was time to, time to really commit. And then from then I you know, really took studying the Bible seriously. I took ministry seriously. That's when I started doing a youth venture shift, which is a, a hoot and a half if you've ever done one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and it's just been a constant, steady growth from there with setbacks, obviously, but keep growing. Um, and yeah, and just a little bit more personal stuff. I was born in Texas, moved here when I was little, and I grew up down Chula Vista, probably most of your audience is from San Diego, but if you're not, then, them, yeah. if you're not, that's pretty much on the border with Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I went to high school, I came out to El Cajon, which is kind of eastern San Diego area. And that's where I met Katie. Um, and then, yeah. And everything, just, changed. everything changed. Everything <laughs> changed. 
took you two years, but everything changed. <laughs> That's a whole other oh. story. Yeah. yeah. Tell um, it. Don't be shy. Tell it. That's a whole episode. Yeah. You need to go need there. need an extra hour. Yeah. Um, yeah after I finished uh, high school, I went to San Diego State. And I switched majors like 16 times, um, but I ended up as an engineer. Like in the first year. In the first year. It <laughs> yeah. was impressive. All the paperwork I did was impressive. But, it's true. Uh, ended up as an engineer, uh, graduated, and now I work as an engineer for a small company in San Diego that we do like medical devices and, and FDA work and stuff. So Yeah. 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 And then as far as like ministry and stuff now, what are you doing? Yeah. So now I do um, our young adults ministry, which... Mm-hmm. Both of these Katie's are very well acquainted with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a home group pastor. I co-lead a group with uh, one of our friends, Bryce. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's probably the main ministry. I do some mentoring one-on-one with other people in the ministry. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you for sharing. So you were talking kind of briefly 30,000 foot view, but we want to get into the nitty gritty a little bit. Um, I think a lot of our listeners probably relate to growing up in the church, growing up around faith-related things but coming to like true faith and salvation later on in life. And what would you say from like 18 year old Will, who is just so funny to think about to me, you've changed so much, but 18 year old Will to now, what has the Lord done in you? What is the changes? What are the changes that you've noticed and what has pursuing the Lord done in your life? Like what has it meant? Yeah. So ironically, something I've always been described as is someone with like a calm demeanor, like very, like I've been called like steely before, like very, <laughs> very calm, very like unflappable. Yeah, people like, who don't know you would think you don't talk a lot right. and that you're like kind of intimidating or intense. And right. those which, things aren't. Which is true. No. <laughs> yeah, you, you wish. No, 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 no. for the audience at home, yes, that is true. <laughs> don't let Katie sabotage me. I want to talk I'm, to you. I'm scared. I want to talk um, to you, Katie, now. Um, I'm also anyway. Katie's mic really yeah, quick. Yeah. Cut the camera. <laughs> Cut the camera. Um, yeah, anyway, so that was but something that usually gets associated with that is, you know, not being very emotional and not letting things rattle you, not not getting, you know, worked up or stressed or anxious or anything. Um, and that's just not true. At least for me, that was not true. Like, I was really good at just pushing it way down. Yeah. So there's like the saying, like, uh, still waters won't run deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true. But like the anxiety usually runs even deeper than that. And so that was really plaguing me for the longest time. And, you know, it still, it still pops up just because, you know, we all have our yeah. regressions and, and whatnot. But as an 18-year-old, I was very obsessed and stressed over, like, figuring out the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And also another example of this, another, like, vein of not, of being this, like, you know, stoic, like, calm person is apathy sneaks in a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And so just to give you an example, I was very, like, apathetic after I graduated. So I went to SDSU. And literally my first time ever being on SDSU's campus, as someone from San Diego, was the day I moved in mm-hmm. to SDSU. So, like, I never visited. I never took any care in actually knowing what I wanted to study. My mom was like, hey, you should apply there. And I was like, okay, and got in. And then it like, came time to pick a school. I was like, oh, I'll just go to SDSU. It's just right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of apathy in that decision. Um, and so, yeah, those two things, apathy and then anxiety, were really a big part of what I was dealing with. Um, and so as an 18-year-old, I was very... Like I mentioned before, I was very obsessed with doing the right thing, figuring it out, making something of myself. So that's why I kind of bounced a lot because mm-hmm. I would get somewhere panic because I sensed something was wrong with that path. And then I would switch to a whole new path, panic and on. So that was, that was a sick cycle. And you were you were <laughs> part of that. I was from yeah, well. <laughs> you experienced that. Um, yeah. No, but just as I've grown and matured, I've really calmed down in a true sense. Like I'm not as 
flighty. I'm not as panicky when things go wrong. I have a lot more, you know, resilience when, to use a Christianese term, trials come <laughs> along. I really think that is just the peace of God mm-hmm. and waiting on God, learning how to do that has really helped me, you know, be steadfast in faith, right? Because before you could mistake my quietness and my lack of showing emotion for being steadfast, but that was just fake. <laughs> yeah. But now it's, I still have that quietness and that steadfastness. I'd actually say I'm a little more emotional, express, emotionally expressive for now, sure. but that steadfastness is increased. Um, and I feel like I actually have a real foundation rather than having, you know, some facade. Something that looks like it. Yeah, some facade. Yeah. Mm. And I think, too, something that goes along with that, that we unfortunately related on a lot when we were early dating and even now is that anxiety and that apathy, those are both kind of different arms of perfectionism and like a desire to achieve and a desire to make something of yourself or to do the right thing like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's different motivations in different people, but you you wanted to do the right thing. You always did. Like mm-hmm. you you thought that there was like a way things had to be and you didn't want to, you know, fall off the rails in any sense. And how would you say God has shifted that in you or is it something that you're still working on every day? Well, yeah. I mean, the second one, you're, you're still working on it every day. Um, but then regarding to the first question, I specifically remember like one of the summers in between, like I think it was junior year and senior year. I don't know. One of the, sometime in college, mm-hmm. um, I had like a really hard, like three months of like me riling myself up, like trying to get jobs and going to a job and then me panicking because it's not exactly what I wanted to do. So I quit like two days in. And then I went to another job and then I quit like two weeks in. And I finally settled on a job that I was able to stick at for, you know, a year or so. And so that was that was good. But it came time to, to graduate and I was feeling those worries again, this anxiety of like, oh, if I don't get a job right away, then I'm going to be behind. If I get behind, I'm not going to catch up. Then I'm not going to be able to do all the stuff God has for me. But I just remember, and you kind of remember this, and we don't have to get into all the details, but just the miraculous steps of how I got this job yeah like didn't make sense at all no and as someone who's you know prides themselves on understanding things yeah. like that really upset me yeah in order <laughs> and in order things right making sense yeah. right and especially it didn't even make sense because I had this great job but I was like dude how did I even like get this I can't figure it out and so that yeah, was and starting well, you, to, and you were kind of uncomfortable for a while because you, you couldn't figure it out you couldn't qualify it <laughs> right yeah and it just didn't make sense how I got there um, yeah but then that really turned into um like God revealing to me like hey you don't get a choice in what I have set up for you you don't get a choice in the path I have for you it's already all set up I have good works for you mm-hmm. it's just your job to a walk in them this is specific to me so it can be different for your audience and then b like slow yourself down enough to wait on me to give you leading. Mm-hmm. And so that's been that's been probably the biggest thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as you and I were talking, preparing for this episode, and <laughs> Katie is still here. <laughs> we're just, I am still here. <laughs> I'm Hello, enjoying. Katie. I'm like genuinely just enjoying listening. So if you Good. don't hear me for a while, <laughs> don't worry. Talk over you or I'm anything. just so yeah. intimidated. Because <laughs> he's so scary speak. and quiet and terrifying. <laughs> No, but as we were talking and kind of figuring out what do you what do you want to discuss on this episode with us? And because you have so many good things to say, but we kind Thank of you. narrow <laughs> 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 we kind of narrowed it down to for this episode to the idea of achievement as sort of a counterfeit of stewardship that I think there's a lot of us 
that relate to the feeling of perfectionism or achievement or having goals and ambitions or again, there's a million ways that looks, but actually that attitude being submitted to the Lord is something called stewardship, which is a lot different than achievement for achievement's sake. And so, Will, how would you describe stewardship? Just before we get too deep into the conversation, what is stewardship? That's a big question to throw out. What is stewardship? Um, Mm -hmm. You can handle it. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) If I was more intimidating, I could handle it. Um, Yeah, so stewardship, uh, if I had to put a definition on it, it's just ensuring our gifts, uh, domain, and influence given from God are being used to expand the kingdom of God. And He's like, if I had to, I like, guess, I don't know. define I mean, it. And then it's like the most concise, like, well-worded. This is how he is, though. He's so, like you said, unflappable and like just like humble. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, He's like, just oh, dang, most... I have to define it. And then, yeah, yeah. there's the definition. <laughs> I talk first, think later. Will is always yes. thinking and then talks when it's valuable. And that's why we're good together. Right. right. Yeah, just the idea that you have certain gifts and there are certain callings on your life that are going to be used to expand the kingdom. And stewardship is just making sure that you are ensuring that those are being used to expand the kingdom. Um, and I guess the other thing you said was achievement. I don't know if you want to yeah, jump well, and to so, that real so quick. Yeah, so what is achievement then? Like what's the difference between stewardship and achievement? And are they related, I guess? Right. Um, yes, I think they're related. We'll get to that probably later. Um, but achievement, uh, just in thinking of it, this is what made most sense to me. Um is striving, and I don't have like a negative or positive connotation on that, mm-hmm. at least just yet, um, but striving after that which is not possessed. And kind of the, the difference in my mind between stewardship and achievement is stewardship is you're given something mm-hmm. and you're told to go, you know, make sure it's being used properly. And then achievement is you you see something that you don't have, but you want either because you think it's good for, you know, the kingdom of God or you think it's good because it's just an interest to you or, or whatnot and you don't want it or you want it and don't have it so you strive after mm. it. Um, so that's the, the two difference. One is you're acting out of a abundance and the other one is you're acting out of a, a lack. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's really concise and a mm-hmm. perfect description of those things. And I, I think they can, like you said, achievement doesn't necessarily have to be negative or positive, but like when is achievement wrong? Do you think? When is When does that shift happen to where that's something that is contrary to the will of God in your life. Right. At least what I've seen in my life when it's gone wrong is when I don't think God's path is the right one or it's going to be the most beneficial one or it's going to be the one mm-hmm. that leads to most joy. Um, and I have to go find something else mm-hmm. that's going to bring that. Um, and when I think it's gone right is when I have a clear understanding of God's like, hey, I've placed you in this position to make these things better. So you need to go after them and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the the idea of where are you putting your, your faith, if you're still putting it in God and you're high achieving, then I think that's can be healthy. But if you have this, you know, doubt in your heart that you're like, I don't know what God's plan has for me, so I'm just gonna go try this Fear. thing and yeah. see if it's gonna be better. For then sure. that's that's when you start running into some problems. Yeah. I, I hear this undercurrent too of achievement when it is negative, <laughs> being mm-hmm. rooted in fear and insecurity and a lack of faith that God is who he says he is or in control or has good intentions for you. And stewardship is this peaceful position of like, first of all, you're content in where God has put you. doesn't mean you're not looking for like more chances to be obedient and follow his will or whatever, but it's also just, it's confident. It's sure. Like it's, you, you mentioned steadfast before, right? Like stewardship is not tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves of the world, right? Yeah. 
I, when you're talking about this, I think about achievement being like good, positive achievement being a byproduct of good stewardship. Yeah. Like when you are stewarding what the Lord has given you well, you are going to reach achievements. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. And so I think that there is absolutely a place for achievement in the kingdom of God. Right. But it has to come from a place of that stewardship and not out of a place of self-promotion or like you're saying, that fear and anxiety that is the basis for that need for achievement. Right. And I think or that, that inability to sit still, like exactly. that need to just keep moving and pursuing other things because you're so Absolutely. afraid and insecure. And yeah. I think that this is something that you and I, Katie, have talked about often is the the feeling like the need for achievement because we're worried that if we're not achieving, we're like slipping through the cracks. For sure. <laughs> we're not like on the forefront of people's minds anymore sure. if we are not, you know, getting the next degree or getting a degree or, yeah. you know, moving up in our job or whatever it There's is. nothing measurable. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that this is a really good conversation can be applied in a lot of different areas of life, but achievement isn't bad. It's just a you know, a byproduct of good stewardship. Yeah. And I, I think too, it's important to remember exactly like you're saying that some of this is just how God has made you. Like if you are someone who is exactly like you were saying, well, and I think all three of us here kind of relate to this. Like we are doers. We're people that have ideas. We're people that want to pursue things. Like we're not necessarily content, which seems like the wrong word, but just like staying still. Like we are not content to settle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think there's driven personalities and I don't think it's an accident that God has created people that are driven. I think people that get things done and forge new paths and do new things for the kingdom of God are people that are driven. But just like anything else that we've talked about, it's something that needs to be brought to and fully submitted to the Lord. Like it's something else that's just another opportunity for obedience in the life of a believer. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought it would be good here and I don't know if you had prepared for this, but are there any examples you can think of, Will, in the Bible that set a precedent for this, either positively or negatively, like characters that have done this well or poorly Mm -hmm. or characters that are just driven? Yeah. So Moses, a lot of messages come around Moses. I think you can apply the same thing to him, this idea of stewardship and achievement. And so if you if you go in Exodus, I think it's Exodus 17. I'm not going to like read it or anything. You can go read it for yourselves. Um, yeah, it's Exodus 17, and then I think it's Numbers 20. Those are the two stories um, in Israel's path out of the out of Egypt and into the Promised Land, where, like always, Israelites were grumbling about not having something. And Moses, you know, through God's wonderful power, you know, causes water to come out of a rock, and they all get water for them and their livestock. But Exodus 17, it's a really short, I think it's only six verses, but basically God tells Moses to go strike the rock. And Moses goes and does it, and he strikes it, and then water comes out. And everyone's like, yeah, great. But then if you go to Numbers, which is, you know, kind of like a parallel story to this Exodus one, Israel's complaining about not having water again. And Moses and Aaron, they go to God, fall on their faces, like, what do we do here? Like, they're grumbling. God's like, all right, Moses, go speak to the rock, and then water's going to come out. And everyone's like, I great. And there's even a verse that says, like, okay, Moses went, Moses and Aaron went out to do what the Lord has commanded. And then the next immediate verse, Moses is talking to these Israelites and he's saying, what do we have to do that will get you to stop grumbling? And then he strikes the rock twice and water comes out. And you're like, oh, great. They're saved again. But then God says, because you have not obeyed me, because you have not 
held me as worthy in front of the eyes of the people, you're not going to enter the promised land. You're going to die. Um, and that's pretty harsh, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Moses up to this point had been, you know, really faithful to to God in the wilderness. Like he, did, he had his issues before. Moses is not a perfect person, but, you know, when everyone else had been rebelling, you know, Moses had been pretty faithful. Now even here, right. Moses is rebelling. Um, and so I think kind of the, the difference, you can find both in those stories. The first one, God had given Moses a task to do. It's like, hey, I'm going to show my power to these people who are grumbling through you. I'm going to show them how worthy and mighty I am. You just have to do what I say pretty much. And Moses did it. Then on the second one, God says, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm like, you did it right the first time. So, you know, what, what could go wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Moses, and you get a sense that Moses is honestly sick of all the grumbling. Yeah. <laughs> because he says, what do we have to do? Yeah. Like him and presumably Aaron, but ultimately him and God, he's like putting himself on the same yeah. level as guys. Like, mm-hmm. what do we have to do to get you to stop grumbling? And so rather than following what God said, he just went back to something that worked before and he's whacked it twice. And, you know, water still came out. And so I think there's like a small lesson in there that you can go do stuff your own way and think you're getting good results. Um, yeah. But then you'll realize, hey, you're not following the will of God. Yeah. For us, like for Moses, the consequences were really bad. Like, hey, you can't, you're the one that's been suffering this whole time in the wilderness, but you're not going to be able to go in because you did not keep me as worthy. Um, but for us, it might be less. I'm not saying we're not going to get kicked out of the promised land or anything, but there are like consequences when we think, that we can team up on the same level as God <laughs> to bring his kingdom. Yeah. That's what Moses did yeah. in the second one. Um, and I would consider that achievement when you and you put you and God on the same level as deciding what's best and what's your path. Yeah. And then in the first one, I would put that as stewardship because God decided and Moses followed. So that's, that's so a, good. yeah, and there's, there's plenty more examples. Um, but I just thought this was a unique one where you could find both things yeah. with the same character, pretty much the same story, but you see two different outcomes. Definitely. I I love the thought that, <laughs> I don't love it, but I love what you are bringing here by saying that at the like heart of achievement is this pride in yourself. Like it is a, yeah. it is a trust that is misplaced by saying mm-hmm. like, yeah, me and God, we get it. Like we're on the mm-hmm. same, like he has good ideas. I'm going to listen to him when it works for me, but I actually know a little bit better in this circumstance or this is going to make me happy or this is going to have the results that I want it to have. And we have a million examples in the word of God of that being so destructive and dangerous. And what you were saying as well about, you know, you can get results on your own thinking about the scriptures in the new Testament that talk about, you know, God is saying like, depart from me. I never knew you. And these, these people are saying like, what? Like we, we perform signs and wonders. Like we cast out demons in your name. Like we did all these things. We have all these markers of achievement that we were advancing our kingdom or being obedient to you and faithful to you. And he's like, but you didn't know me. Mm -hmm. Like you actually didn't know me. I I don't even know that you ever saw my face. And I want to be someone that like knows God. I don't want to be someone that's just known for all these things that I've done or achieved. Like I don't need anyone else to know, (laughs) right? Like I want at the heart of my life to be intimacy with the Lord. And that's really hard, if not impossible to do when you're consistently walking in pride. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is a concept I had to really confront in beginning in early high school, and I still have to confront it now. But um, the idea that the things that I am doing for the kingdom are not what earns me the kingdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that I've truly learned the value of resting in the Lord's presence and just committing to him and knowing him rather than 
trying to collect all of these achievements and all of these status symbols mm-hmm. or, you know, mile markers in the faith and just being like obedient and being a good steward of my time here on earth. And I think that that's something I was at a camp in high school and I really feel like the Lord like met me powerfully there and was like, hey, you were trying to reach me through all of these things mm-hmm. and all these things you're doing and all these ministries you're involved in and yeah. all these things that you feel like you're, you know, achieving, but there's no value in that if you are not sitting and listening and dwelling in my presence. And I think that that's so easy to fall into. And I think maybe for some people hearing this, it's like, oh, well, I'm not like super achievement oriented and all this stuff but Mm -hmm. even for you like think about the things that you are collecting in life that you feel like make you a better Christian Mm -hmm. uh, when really it's just about our relationship with the Lord and properly stewarding our time so I think that this could definitely apply to everybody even if this isn't your natural um, inclination to be like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna win and I'm gonna do the next thing you know it It's something that creeps into life pretty easily. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is something that we all probably have examples of doing poorly. And in ministry is a really easy way to see that. I I have to check myself in this all the time. Like this is something that consistently through my life God has like brought up and corrected me in. Um, Even still, (laughs) I think always will. But the idea of like, having these markers or trophies or like things in ministry that like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing well because A, B and C. And will, do you have any examples of when this has gone wrong? And I know we've kind of like briefly talked about it, but when has you not done this right? (laughs) Yeah. So I think starting out in my youth venture group, I was really young doing it, Mm -hmm. which might be a conversation for (laughs) itself. Should we let 18 year olds do (laughs) youth venture groups? But anyways, um, yeah. So my first, like year or two there, I was very new to ministry. And like I said, very young, probably pretty immature. Well, definitely pretty immature. Um, <laughs> no <and> comment. So, <laughs> that was a comment. <laughs> but uh, anyways, the first two years was very achievement oriented in the sense that like I had it, I had it in myself that I was the one that was like really helping these kids. Mm-hmm. In reality, I was just their pizza delivery guy or I was their taxi because I was just taking them to and from places <laughs> for free. It was even worse than being a taxi. You didn't get paid to do it. But, uh, yeah. You um, actually paid them regularly yeah, by buying them food. Yeah, yeah, by buying them food, buying them snacks. <laughs> um, but no, the, the first couple years, I really thought I was, you know, the one that was making the group. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there was, I was actually, wasn't even the leader. I was like a helper at that time. So you can see how bad, bad that was. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, as I became more mature, I realized that Hey, like, no, these kids are just here to experience God's presence and power. Like, yeah, we'll we'll bring them in with all the fun activities and the food. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, they're here for something completely unrelated to you. And your job is just to make sure that they get access to it. Mm-hmm. And so at first, I was like, I'm the thing they need access to because I'm helping them. I'm getting them out of bad homes. I'm getting them out of abusive situations or just general, you know, wasting away in their lives. But then it turned into like, yeah, you might be doing that. But that doesn't matter unless you get them into the presence of God. And so you have a, a you have the presence of God, which you need to steward for other people, and you need to bring them into it. And so I think after that, like, I didn't see a big, like, shift in my, like, motivation or in my intensity with which I did the group. Mm-hmm. But I definitely saw a shift 
in our group because we definitely turned more towards, okay, we're going to spend less time with me, like talking to you, me trying to tell yeah, you. Telling you all the things I know that are going to change your life. Right. Yeah. Or just telling you like, because we we're honestly telling them like good things. Like right. We were teaching them how to like grow up, how to be, you know, functioning, you know, because they were high, they're all getting to be high schoolers. So we're teaching them how to, you know, turn into men, like step by step. But then we switched from, okay, like we're not going to teach you as much of that. We're just going to get you in the presence of God because he'll teach you something way better yeah. than we can. And, you know, our group definitely, you know, it was, I would say it might've been quote unquote less fun after that, or it might've been, you know, more, you know, boring or grown up or whatever, but there was definitely sweeter times of worship. There's definitely better questions being asked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's definitely, you know, just more commitment to like these kids studying the word of God, you know, and, you yeah. know, it looks like, it's in an infancy state. Right. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Just because, you know, they're brand new at this. But, like, I don't know. That's something that might have been even sweeter, like having someone in an infancy state study the Word of God than rather having someone who's been doing it for 50 years trying mm-hmm. to do it, you know. So it was it was definitely a shift that, you know, I didn't think at the time would be worth it. It seemed kind of, you know, like, oh, why are we doing this? Like, these kids, they're not, they're, like, complaining more. They're yada, yada, yada. But then, you know, reflecting on it, it was definitely a better way to do things. Right. Well, and that was an example of you submitting to the Lord and saying it would be really easy for me to trust that I know a little bit better in the situation what these kids need, but instead submitting that and listening to the Lord and allowing him to do what is actually best because he knows what's best and what they really need. And, um, yeah, there's also one more thing to add on this with specifically like for our church youth venture groups, they're known as like the harder groups. And so that's something I, I heard is like, oh, are you doing a YV group? Like, oh, good luck. You know, those, those kids are tough and whatnot. And, you know, say what you want about that. But what I got from that was like, okay, if I can get this group to a healthy state, like that's even more impressive than if I can do yeah. that with church kid groups. Isn't that like, you know? so sick. On the back. But isn't that so yeah. twisted? Like it's yeah. so easy. Yeah. I think that happens in all kinds of ministries. Like, right. And no one ever like, I don't think no one ever like put that on me. So I'm no. not digging at anyone. But in my mind as an immature Christian, I heard, okay, this is going to be hard. If I can do it, like, I'll have done something good. Right. And, yeah. you know, and I'm not going to say that's necessarily wrong, but if that becomes the motivation, rather than realizing, oh, even if these kids are hard, my goal for them would be the same as the, you know, wisest, most spiritual church kid, just get mm-hmm. them into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's a healthier attitude. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, fast forward, now in your life, this is all in the past. What are you stewarding? Like, how is God teaching you this exactly where you are in your life? It feels so funny interviewing you as if, like, <laughs> I'm not your wife. Do you want me to ask the question? Katie, why don't you ask the question? <laughs> so, in your life now. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. In your life now, you what are you stewarding? It? I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was embarrassing. <laughs> Honestly, kick me off of the podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, Katie, this would not be anything without you. Cut okay, mic, please. you're right. <laughs> um... No, now, you know, it's funny, like stewardships, you can give the same answer over and over again because it's the same principles. But really now that we have a family mm-hmm. and we have a home, like those are two places that you can really use for the kingdom of God. Like the most influence you'll ever have is with your kids and you only get them for like 18 years. Well, that's not true. The stereotype is you only get them, well, quote, you're like, quote unquote, get them for 18 years. You're and then, like, you're like influence of like true authority yeah true authority over them yeah. stops eventually and it's very quick yeah i've you know we haven't experienced this yet but everyone who's ever talked to me about raising kids they're always saying it's going by right like they don't realize their kids all of a sudden 10 years old or going right. off to college or whatever so we have a family that we need to steward 
So that's where I've been focusing a lot of it. But also our home. Like, we were blessed to get this home. Like, mm-hmm. there's, you know, so many steps. A so lot many, of, A lot of miracles involved. A lot of miracles. A lot of just, you know, people just being faithful to God to mm-hmm. help us get this house. And, you know, it's so easy, especially when we live in expensive San Diego, to mm-hmm. see getting a house as an achievement. Right. And wanting mm-hmm. to protect it and wanting to make it nice and pretty and clean and really take care of it. Right. But in stewardship, you're also going to do that. But you also realize, like, hey, I've been given a home that I can bring someone into, even if it's for, like, a day at a time mm-hmm. or even if it's just for a conversation. Like, there's a spot where we can go to and I can minister to them or I can tell them about God or I can just let them sit in God's God's presence. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I know we've talked about this, so you're in agreement. But just getting real serious about the biggest blessings in our life and really figuring out how to make sure that in the case of people, that they're in the presence of God, in the case of like material things, mm-hmm. making sure that those are being used to get people yeah. in the presence of God. In a very nuts and boltsy way, yeah. oh, relating yeah. to what you're saying, like I think somewhere achievement can creep in really easily is in your home or mm. in uh, your ability. I think maybe this is more of a woman thing, but like your hosting and yeah. like, especially in the age of social media, right? Like everybody's like showing how beautiful their home is and how it's so perfect. And it looks like it's clean all the time. And like, you don't even have kids. It doesn't even look like there's any toys in there, (laughs) all those things. But the opposite of that actual true stewardship would be humility. And we talked about this with hospitality, Yeah. but hospitality is stewardship. It Mm -hmm. is saying like what I have belongs to the Lord and is to be shared for the benefit and for the love of others and allowing like, Hey, if I have someone that like needs love and time, like it's okay if not everything's perfect and that I can invite you in and have it be somewhere that's like warm and welcoming and lovely without being perfect. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. Something I think of is we see crosses on front yards and we see crosses like in backyards and on people's houses. And I always think, Hey, if I go to your house as a non-Christian, am I going to know that your house is part of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. just based on how you do things, how you run it, how do you, how you invite me in if I'm in need. Yeah. And so yeah. like, we don't have like crosses or anything on our yard. Like we're not, I don't think we'll have any yard decorations. <laughs> That's, That's FYI, really we won't have any. Yeah, any like, we're agreeing right now. We're right? agreeing right now. <laughs> I show up, there's like a historically accurate, like, cross. <laughs> <laughs> live, like, oh. live on this podcast. <laughs> we agreed to that. But, I was like, I hold you to it. Yeah. No, I just want the the same idea as like, if someone's going to show up to my house, are they going to understand that it's a part of the kingdom? Are they going to yeah. think it's just, you know, just an ordinary old house? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah, with our time, that's especially true because it's easy to factor in, like say, because we, we've talked about like, okay, we have a home now and like for holidays is a big like downer for people because, you know, people like have messed up families. They don't have places to go. So we've talked about, you know, having just a holiday party or like a dinner or something where just all the people who don't have anywhere to go mm-hmm. can just come to our house. Right. Yeah. And that's easy to do when you're talking about that in March and that doesn't happen until November. Yeah. Yeah. But if, you know, like it's like almost October and it's like, okay, are we going to do it? Yeah. Well, even then if like someone from our family or from our home group, or from our church just showed up at our door. Yeah. Even now. Yeah. Even now, like we're not ready for it, but like, are we willing to still make sure that our house is mm-hmm. that place? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this is a very specific example, but Katie, is anything coming to mind like where you're at in your life? Well, I think that a lot, I'm really just thinking about our hospitality episode a Mm -hmm. lot, but it all ties in really anything you have Mm -hmm. or I just think like my time, the way that I spend my time can be so intentional and I can be a good steward of that by 
being sacrificial with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean saying yes to everything or holding on to things that just aren't what they need to be anymore. Mm-hmm. But it does mean being faithful with those things. But I just think that there is so, so much that you can do no matter the season of life. I think using my vehicle well, like taking kids to and from group or yeah. giving people rides, which... Yeah, sacrificing um, gas money well, in Southern California in this, <laughs> yes. in this day and age. It's going to... I'm <laughs> I'm like the most selfish about my car. I feel like, like I want to listen to the music I want to listen oh, to sure. and I'm picking somebody up. It's the stupid things like that that are so, so easy to sacrifice. Right. But it would be stewarding the resources I've been given well. So I think just looking at genuinely what you have and then committing it to the Lord and saying, Lord, give me opportunities to use these things for you. Right. And uh, the Lord's going to be faithful in that because he wants you to use those things for him. Like that is his desire. And so when you are faithful to ask God to use those things, he's going to be faithful to provide opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And remembering that the stewardship and the like, giving things to the Lord is actually just putting it in its correct place anyway, that it's not really yours to begin with, that it's all a gift from him. Like it's, it's one of those things that by like walking in it and doing it actually like corrects your heart to be in the correct place that it's supposed to be. Like you got to like move those muscles in order to like get the correct (laughs) mind frame. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. Will, thank you for taking Mm -hmm. time out of your day to be here. Yes, thank you for joining us. It was fun. Yeah. It was. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Anything you want to leave us with? Um, You mind if I just do a couple verses that have helped me? Might help your audience too. Um, No. No. (laughs) We actually don't read the Bible. (laughs) Okay. I'll let myself out. (laughs) I'll just use the Apocrypha then. Nerdy Christian joke. Bible yes. joke. Sorry. Labor of love. Anyway, sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh no! You really can let yourself out. She's a dad. Give him some grace. Okay. I dug into the well for that one. Yeah. Um, but no, there's just just one example of stewardship from the Bible. One example of achievement and what I used to think about them, and then what I've grown into. That might help your audience. If that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, Please. So in so Matthew 25, I believe, is the parable of the talents. That's a really famous one. Like, um, master goes away, gives one servant five talents, brings back five, two, brings back two, and then the person with one talent just hit it. And then when he came back, you know, the master rebuked him. Um, a lot of people, you know, that's a stewardship question, but that, you know, rightly so, because it's material and it's parable, um, mm-hmm. gets applied to like things and whatnot and how you're given gifts, you need to go out and, and get more. Um, but if you read the context of that, um, that is sandwiched between basically Jesus talking about the end of days and then Jesus talking about the final judgment um, when he comes back. And so that really put into context for me, like, yeah, that parable, like you can apply that to material things, but that I think it's proper place. And, you know, you can disagree with me if you want, but it's proper place is when it's talking about people because God's going to give you people yeah. um, and those are your talents, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and what you're going to do with those is you're either going to you can bring those people, you're going to make them disciples, they're going to bring back more, and you're going to get, you know, rewarded. Or God's going to give you two people, and then you're going to do the same thing. Yeah. But God's going to give you one person, and you're just going to, and that person might even be yourself, and you're not going to do anything with it. And <laughs> you're just going to bring yourself back to God. And he's going to be like, dude, what did you do with the stuff I gave you? Um, so I just want to encourage people, like, stewardship often gets applied to material things, but it becomes a lot more powerful of a subject when you realize yeah. that, you know, 
a fundamental teaching on it is about people. It's all about people. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the second one on achievement is Philippians 4.13. Um, it's a very cliche verse. It's very poster worthy. It's very Instagram worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that maybe not know, it's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, something me and some other home group pastors did a while back is we just committed to memorizing scripture. So we actually memorized Philippians 4, the whole chapter. Um I forgot most of it, so don't ask me. To. <laughs> I was about um, to be like, what's Philippians? <laughs> Philippians 4, 2 through 6. No, okay. um, but no, that verse is in the context of being content. And so that verse is usually applied to going out and doing things and achieving things. Yeah. But people on every like on, sports on, locker room at every Christian right, high school. Yeah, that's the, I'm like picturing the picture of the guy kneeling on the football field yeah, with the football. Right. <laughs> and, you know, there's nothing like malicious there, yeah. I don't think. But if you really want to like become more mature you have to understand where, where these verses are written mm-hmm, and this yeah. is written in the context of being content so yeah you can go out and achieve from prison from prison yeah <laughs> paul's in prison yeah. here guys um <laughs> you can go out and achieve and you can do all things through christ who strengthens him and that's fine but if you understand that paul's talking about i'm content you know i'm in prison and i'm fine yeah and i can do all things through christ who strengthens me he's not talking about going out and you know sailing when he's talking about being in prison mm-hmm. right and if he's in prison he can be content and he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength, like I think that will shift our achievement mentality away from go, 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 go to understanding like, hey, where am I at? Like what has God given me to do? Mm-hmm. And understanding how to be content with that and then how to go out and, you know, actually achieve what God has given for you. Um, just those two have been super helpful for me in this this uh, context. And thanks for letting me share with your with your audience. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Love you. So, yeah, love you too. <laughs> thanks for coming. <laughs> You're, you're a good friend, Katie J. Platonic handshake. Anyways, thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll have you again at some point because mm-hmm. we'll be doing this until we die. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. This but, is my inheritance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You inherit the Katie's podcast when Katie and I die on the same day. Yeah. Um, but this, it must be. Was this talked about previously? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, okay. No, it's just known. <laughs> it's just welling up out of my heart at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for coming on. We mm-hmm. really appreciate it. We want to close out this episode the way that we always do. Contact us, yeah. email, Instagram. It's all in the show notes. Yeah, and we have been hearing from so many of you lately. And yeah, we can't even tell you like how encouraging and yeah. what fresh energy and life it's given to our planning and our preparation. Like absolutely, we love hearing from you. We want this to be. A community and we're trying to plan some other ways to make that happen that we're really excited about yes. but we love you guys we really do we're not just saying that flippantly we want to serve you with this and we're so happy that it's something that matters to you yeah absolutely so we will talk to you next week yeah talk to you soon xoxo the katie's <laughs> gossip girl <laughs> bye <laughs>